Hey everyone, it's Eves. Just wanted to let you know that you'll be hearing an episode from me and an episode from Tracy V. Wilson today. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's August 31st. The body of Mary Ann Nichols, who was known as Polly, was found on this day in 1888. She was the first of the five canonical victims of Jack the Ripper. Those five canonical murders happened between August 31st and November 9th, 1888. In order of when their bodies were found, they were Mary Ann Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Jane Kelly. And these five murders happened with a series of other killings in Whitechapel in the east end of London. Sometimes 11 total murders are looped together as the Whitechapel murders. Sometimes all 11 are attributed to Jack the Ripper. But those five are considered the canonical five. All of them were or had been sex workers. All but one was killed while soliciting customers. They were all also intoxicated at the time or were known to abuse alcohol. When Nichols was murdered, she was in her early 40s and she had five children. She and her husband had separated and she had fallen on really hard times. She was living in extreme poverty. She was living in a series of workhouses and she was getting lodging in rooming houses when she had the money to do it. That money mostly came from begging and from sex work. But if she didn't have any money and if there was no room in the workhouse, she had nowhere to stay. And about two o'clock in the morning, on August 31st, she was thrown out of the kitchen of the rooming house where she'd been staying because she didn't have the money to pay. But she said she would go get the money, and she went out into the street to look for clients. Somebody else from the rooming house saw her a little bit later, and she was very clearly intoxicated. Then at about 3.45 in the morning, two carters were on their way to work through Buck's Row, which was basically an alley. One of them saw what looked like a tarp or a pile of rags, went over to investigate, and he called the other one over when he realized that it was a woman. They weren't entirely sure whether she was alive or not. They didn't stay to help because they were late for work, but they did tell a constable what they had seen. When the constable came, he realized this was a dead woman, that her throat had been cut from ear to ear, her abdomen and her groin had also been mutilated. In the wake of Nichols' murder and the killings that followed, the people in Whitechapel were terrified. This became a public panic about the possibility of a brutal serial killer who could have been anyone. It could have been somebody that you know. And in spite of extensive investigations and increased police patrolling in the area, he was never captured. One day, the killings just stopped. Because nobody knew it was the last killing, they kept waiting for the next killing. We don't know who Jack the Ripper is. Of course, he's generally believed to be a man. The name was coined in a letter purportedly from him to the Central News Agency, although probably this was concocted as a publicity stunt by the staff. And since 1888, hundreds of people have been brought forth as suspects for being Jack the Ripper. A lot of these suspects have been doctors or butchers because the killer seemed to have some familiarity with human anatomy. But really, they just range all over the place. Everybody from Lewis Carroll to H.H. Holmes, who later lured victims into a so-called murder castle during the 1893 Columbian Exposition. 
This one led to an exhumation of Holmes's remains and a whole TV series about it. And the Jack the Ripper murders continue to be entrenched in the public imagination. There are hundreds of books about the actual murders and about fictionalized versions of the murders or novels that base themselves off of the Jack the Ripper story in some way. And of course, there are also dozens of movies. Thanks to Christopher Hasiotis for his research work on today's episode. You can subscribe to the Stay in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And you can tune in tomorrow for a terrifying dive and a dramatic rescue. Welcome back to This Day in History class, where we reveal a new piece of history every day. The day was August 31st, 1963. Prime Minister of Singapore Lee Kuan Yew declared de facto independence for Singapore. It wasn't until two years later, on August 9, 1965, when Singapore left the Federation of Malaysia and became an independent sovereign nation. In 1959, Singapore held national elections and the People's Association Party, or PAP, won 43 of the 51 seats in the Legislative Assembly. The PAP was founded in 1954 as a pro-independence political party. After the elections, it became the first fully elected post-colonial government. Singapore gained a great degree of self-rule and the PAP appointed Lee Kuan Yew, the Prime Minister of Singapore. The Federation of Malaya was made up of the nine Malay states and the Straits settlements of Penang and Malacca. It had replaced the Malayan Union, which was a British crown colony, and it gained its independence within the Commonwealth of Nations on August 31, 1957. The leadership of the PAP thought that Singapore, which was small with few resources, would fare better if it united with the Federation of Malaya. In a 1962 referendum, 71% of people voted in favor of this merger. And on August 31, 1963, Prime Minister Lee Kuan Yew declared Singapore's independence from British rule from the steps of City Hall in order to push for the merger. He pledged Singapore's loyalty to the federal government in Kuala Lumpur. At the ceremonial rally, Lee said, We have the will and the wherewithal to be a nation in our own right. That is the right that we, the people of Singapore, today proclaim. But the British government denied that this speech meant Singapore was de facto independent. The federal and British governments questioned the legality and validity of Singapore's claim to powers over its defense and external affairs. The Federation of Malaysia was supposed to be inaugurated on this day to coincide with the date of Malayan independence, but that was postponed until September 16th so that the United Nations could have more time to determine whether people in the Borneo territories of Sabah and Sarawak wanted to be part of Malaysia. On September 16th, Singapore united with the Federation of Malaya, Sabah, and Sarawak to form Malaysia. The PAP won 37 seats in a general election five days later. 
But that union did not last long. Malayan and Singaporean leaders could not agree on political approach and economic and racial policy. Singaporean politicians were unhappy with provisions in the Malaysian constitution that gave the ethnic Malay majority special privileges. And Malaysian politicians thought that Singapore's mostly Chinese population was a threat to their Malay heritage. The PAP and the United Malays National Organization, the other major political party in Malaysia, accused one another of communalism. Racial violence broke out in Singapore in 1964, and Malaysia's parliament voted to expel Singapore from Malaysia. The two parties agreed to a two-year truce in September of 1964, but tensions did not ease by 1965. On August 9, 1965, Singapore separated from Malaysia. The proclamation declaring Singapore's independence was announced on Radio Singapore at 10 a.m. that day. Singapore TV also aired a press conference that Lee called for. He explained that the separation needed to happen, even though he believed in the merger. Lee's statements had a much sadder tone than his announcement on August 31, 1963, and the initial response was disappointment. Now, National Day in Singapore is celebrated on August 9th. Independence Day in Malaysia is August 31st. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at T-D-I-H-C podcast. Come back tomorrow for another tidbit from history. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.